You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Overall, there's a sense in the community that not only are folks who attend Bethel pretty lax about social distancing and mask wearing, but they're also very lax about quarantining. And the the primary reason for all that is that they just don't believe this is a community perception, that Bethel folks don't believe that the virus is really dangerous. This is Heaven Bent. I'm Tara Jean Stevens. Episode 5, The Outbreak. It's October 2020, and over the first few days of this month alone, more than 100 cases of COVID-19 were detected among students and staff at Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. Reading reporter and former Bethel member, Annalise Pierce is back to loop us in. There's stories that come out within the community, and of course, these are not proven evidence stories. These are anecdotes. But, you know, people who are checking uh, checking folks out in a grocery store and, and hear them speaking to each other, oh, yeah, my roommate has COVID and my other roommate has COVID. I think I'm supposed to quarantine, but I don't have any symptoms yet. These are the kind of stories that Annalise is hearing from people in the community. But during this time, the community is also hearing directly from Bethel Church via a series of highly criticized press releases. One of the things that I thought was interesting was that the first press release that Bethel issued regarding their the outbreak at the school said, you know, hey, proactively, we've closed our school. And this was before the number of cases had come out via public health. So at that time, they said, you know, we're just doing this because we want to honor the community and we want to serve the community. So we've proactively closed the school. And then within about 48 hours, um, we found out, oh, no, actually, there's like over 100 cases attributed to Bethel um, BSSM. So it was a little bit disingenuous in retrospect. I'm not sure how much they knew at the time, but um, it was a very interesting kind of series of events. By October 14th, there are 274 cases tied to the school, staff and students as well. BSSM is in the midst of a full-blown COVID-19 outbreak. And on this episode, how is Bethel responding? Why is it happening? And what do Bethel beliefs have to do with it, if anything? Also on this episode, an update on former Bethel worship leader Sean Foyt's Let Us Worship tour and his marquee upcoming stop in Washington, D.C. And it all leads up to this. The nation's capital, Washington, D.C., the epicenter of government that affects every nation on the earth. On October 25th, thousands will converge on this city for a holy gathering that will be a tipping point for revival in America. We are coming with our songs, we are coming with our prayers, and we are coming with a dream that this could be the greatest hour of revival in the history of our nation. Don't miss it. Be there October 25th, the nation's capital. Let us worship. We'll find out what happens at Foyt's big Washington, D.C. stop later this episode. 
I'm going to watch it live. See what happens. Will it be, as Sean Foyt predicts, a tipping point for revival in America? Because of the anticipated crowd of 15,000 people gathering along that long and narrow National Mall, experts are predicting it will be a super spreader event. Come on, you got to put your hands together. Although it has been yeah, greenlit by the National Park Service, so at least this one will be legal. Not like the Nashville stop, for example. From the outside, tracking this tour from my kitchen table in Vancouver, looks like the city of Nashville has been the stop that's giving Foyt the toughest time. For now. Singing loud, God is with us. We're surrounded by his goodness. Nashville was Sunday, October 11th. At the time, the city was in what officials called phase three. That meant 25 people max for any gathering without an approved event plan from public health, which Foyt did not have. The city of Nashville would later decline to issue any charges, but the Nashville Metro Public Health Department said they had evidence that Foyt had duped a local man who helped him organize the event. Whoever that guy is, he also dished that the majority of people who showed up at the event weren't even from Tennessee. They were from other states people who have uprooted their own lives to now follow this tour from city to city. Even Rolling Stone magazine covered the Nashville concert, coining Foyt in big, bold letters as a Jesus Christ super spreader. But is he? Months later, according to Foyt himself, not a single case of COVID-19 will have been traced back to Nashville. He says that God covered him and the approximately 10,000 people that he claims showed up that day. Now, I checked myself. Nashville did see a spike in cases over the following weeks, but nothing that I ever saw traced back to Let Us Worship, specifically. But I checked in again with Annalise Pierce. She's been looking into this stuff too, and she has a theory about why the testing results might be misleading. Because this is not a populace that probably is very focused on testing. I think there's sort of a sense that, you know, if I have mild symptoms, they're not hurting anybody. This is how we develop herd immunity. And if I have no symptoms, then why would I test anyway? So I think given that the populations attending his events are probably overall young and healthy people, I'm not sure you're going to see a real indicator of how much spread there may have been at these events through testing. It's all boiling down to a really sort of nonchalant attitude towards the pandemic a refusal to live in fear, and a belief that this virus is really just not that dangerous. You know, I heard a BSSM student saying, you know, it's just, it's just COVID. I've already had it. We're all fine. So that kind of, we've had it, we're fine. It didn't affect us. That's if their fundamental belief is it's not really dangerous, then they think of it as a service to the community to allow for some slow, steady spread. During the second week of October, as Shasta County Health and Human Services was working feverishly to stop the growing spread of COVID-19 at BSSM, Bethel's matriarch, Bill Johnson's wife, Benny, she posted what would become a viral anti-mask video on her Instagram account. So from what I've read and seen, 
Benny and her daughter, who is um, married to one of the uh, BSSM revival pastors, Gabe Venezuela, um, were, were traveling in Humboldt County, which is a few hours um, towards the coast from us. And they apparently went to some location and there were receiving sort of some community feedback for not having masks and posted this video just saying that um, basically that they didn't believe in wearing masks and that they thought they were useless. I don't remember their exact words, um, but the video very quickly went viral because the tone was such that there was um, disrespect it was felt for the community that, that was wanting them to wear masks. The exact words, if you'll allow me, went like this, quote, can I just say that there's way too much security in a mask that doesn't even work? If you do the scientific research, she says, these things are placebos. They are people's security blankets, end quote. Now, especially when you consider the outbreak at BSSM, this since-deleted video was not a good look for Bethel, for Benny, or for her grown daughter, Leah, who was chiming in over her mom's shoulder throughout the video. And while Benny's followers think that Benny and Leah were brave and on point, the large majority of the online reaction was pretty negative. People, and even mainstream media, they called the rant infantile, insensitive, ignorant, and of course, classic Karen. Karen being the name given to women who are entitled or demanding beyond the scope of what's normal. Karens are usually white, but further to that, with this viral video, Benny Johnson is now being lumped into a special category of Karen, an evangelical Karen. Really? This is a viral evangelical Karen moment, recorded during the pandemic in a Washington state grocery store. It shows a maskless white Christian woman in Longview, Washington. She's not only refusing to abide by the grocery store's mandatory mask policy, she's also demanding that all the other shoppers clear out of whichever aisle she wants to be in. wrong with people? Like, is that the way you think you're really going to get your message across? I don't understand what is happening. She doesn't want anybody on the aisle until she can get what she wants and leave the aisle. So she's rebuking everyone that enters the aisle. As is the case for many viral Karen videos, evangelical or not, they're often followed by very public apologies. That's definitely been the case for Benny. About a week after her notorious Instagram video, she posted a written apology for making light of the pandemic and for offending people. But in the same apology post, she also doubles down on her own opinion that masks are purely a security blanket for people who choose to live in fear. Okay, let's get into this outbreak some more by bringing back first-year BSSM student Grace 
with more insight into how it's impacting student life. Well, we were no longer able to meet for our main sessions um, in person at the Civic Center, having everyone grouped together. Um, so that was, you know, that was a little bit disappointing, um, especially for people that, you know, worked really, really hard to be here. And um, we had to, you know, watch online and stream from our homes. And for some people, that wasn't as big of a deal because they have housemates or roommates. I live alone, and so that was a little bit more challenging for me because. I mean, I am in a, you know, a new city that I've never been to before. Um, you know, a lot of things are closed down because of COVID. Don't have housemates or roommates. Um, so it was a little bit isolating. Most BSSM students are known to live together in groups, crammed into small spaces, something that is widely believed to have made the spread of the virus harder to curb amongst this particular student population. One roommate gets sick. There's a good chance the others will, too. Grace, however, as she says, lives alone. It's just easier that way because, as you might remember, she's got two dogs. Um, and there was a there was a temptation to feel really like depressed about it and like you know ask God like why why is this happening like I thought this was going to be different, but then realizing like it was actually also an invitation for me to press into. Um, getting to know Jesus better um, because I didn't have anyone else to turn to. Like I literally had no one else to distract me or to take up the time that I could invest in him. So it turned out to be actually a good thing. And how about masks? What's Grace's personal take on this hot topic? Oh, goodness. Um, (laughs) Grace, you'll remember, pressed pause on her career as a nurse to attend BSSM. So as a nurse, a Christian nurse, a Christian nurse at Bethel, I was really curious to hear what she'd have to say about it. So it's 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 complicated. Um, I personally don't wear them unless I'm going into a store and it's required. Um, when I'm out and about um, with friends or just outside, I don't wear it unless I'm being around somebody that feels really, really strongly about it and it would be a stumbling block to them or it hurt them or offend them if I didn't wear one. Um, so it's more, I choose to wear one only when it's, Um, to honor somebody else. But for me and of myself, I don't, I honestly don't believe that they really help that much. Um, So there's that. I do kind of have this idea that like, it's more about, you know, control rather than safety. So I kind of don't really like that either. But at the same time, I I feel like the, the, the main narrative surrounding wearing a mask is about fear. And um, people are very afraid. And we know fear is like the number one tactic of the enemy. And I, I know I just choose not to live in fear, you know, because it's just no way to live. You know, I trust God to protect me. I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, make stupid, rash decisions, um, you know, being safe when you can. But um, I just, for me and from, from where I stand, I don't do it unless it's to honor somebody else. I do find it pretty shocking to hear a nurse say that masks don't really help that much. But before you or I jump to the conclusion that, I don't know, maybe she's being unduly influenced by Bethel leaders like Benny Johnson, listen, Grace is a grown woman making grown woman decisions. And from our conversations, I get the impression that her most controversial beliefs were rooted in her well before she ever came to Bethel. And this belief, this trust that God can supernaturally heal you from COVID from cancer, from whatever, gout, 
you can actually trace it right back to the middle of the 19th century in Europe, when there were clergy and some lay people who started to report healing in response to prayer. Up until then, European and American Christians believed that the age of miracles was over, that it had somehow ended with the death of Jesus and his 12 apostles way back in the first century. But by the late 1800s, and certainly by the early 1900s, this renewed belief in the healing power of prayer was being preached at lots of pulpits. Get your hands out and clap them for it was dubbed the Divine Healing Movement, and it would later blossom into something called the American Healing Revival, a period of time in the 1940s and 50s when there were up to 49 separate evangelists touring and holding healing services. This included well-known American faith healer, William Branham. Now, this afternoon, I am to speak on a, just the regular gospel subject as it's been announced in the paper. We speak on the great coming revival and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. William Branham attracted millions of international followers after people started reporting things like angelic visits and miracles that were taking place during his meetings. And then tonight, uh, we're going to have the prayers for the sick. There's many sick and afflicted. We have fine hospitals and wonderful doctors to which we take off our hat and salute to the highest. But in the midst of all of that, our scientific research, we've, there's many diseases and things that doctors cannot control today. Right. I feel that we have uh, the privilege then to ask our Heavenly Father to help us. Some of the most high-profile mid-century evangelists, like William Branham, like Catherine Coleman, like Oral Roberts, they would tell the thousands of people who came to their services, go, go to your doctor, don't stop taking your medicine. But when the medicine reaches its limits, that's when prayer for healing can still prevail. If our doctors can do no more for us, we have a right to come to our Heavenly Father, not but just mythical thoughts or some curious theology, but by the promise in God's Word that He would, he would heal us when we were sick. Yes. And I will do my part to pray with all my heart for every sick person that I can doing this meeting to get you back well again so you can be healthy and happy to serve Him, to make life a little, a little more pleasant for us as we're passing this way only once. Now, I believe that the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, as all Christendom teaches, that we're just about near that time now. It'll be light in the evening time. The path of glory you will surely find. This Holy Ghost way is the light today while we're serving Jesus in His precious name. Young and old, repent of all your sins. The Holy Ghost will surely enter in. You believe that? So this long-standing belief in supernatural healing, this trust that God can protect you from whatever you know virus or disease the devil may throw at you, for Grace, this well extends into how she personally manages her own mental health struggles. Like I said, I kind of have struggled with um, like depression or just, you know, a default state of melancholy most of my life. Um, and I had kind of avoided wanting to go on medication just because 
I just don't like the idea of having to be, having to be on medication. And, um, but I finally just kind of caved in at the beginning of, uh, 2020. And I was like, you know what, like I shouldn't have to feel this way. Um, so I started taking some medication, um, just to kind of help me like feel better. Um, and it was helping. Um, but I kind of didn't really have peace about it when I started taking it because I had, God had told me before over the years that like, that he was my healer and that I didn't need, um, medication to do what he could do. But I just kind of, 2020 was a hard year. And so I just kind of broke down and started taking it. And when I started coming to BSSM, I just started receiving like so many, so many words about joy. People saying that they see me as a carrier of joy. They see the the Lord filling me with joy and that, that joy is going to be my prize and my fuel this year. And like I said, it was really frustrating because I was like, man, like I'm not feeling that. Um, and then I just, after receiving all the words, I felt God asking me, he's like, are you going to step out in faith about these words that you've received or or are you just gonna sit around and wait for something to happen? And I was like, oh, okay. And so I just felt really convicted to just stop taking the medication. The next time I check in with Grace at the end of this fall term, if everything goes according to her plan, she'll be completely off her meds by then. And while again, I trust that she's making this decision of her own accord, as many people do, Christian and non, I worry about Grace. And my biggest hope for her is that she's doing well with all of this the next time we speak. In the meantime, I think it would be prudent to just check in with former BSSM student and Bethel critic, Robert. I want to see if he recalls the teachers or leaders backing up this kind of anti-med sentiment during his time at Bethel. I've never heard them being outrightly against it. However... They have quoted that the Greek word that we get pharmaceuticals from, and this is straight from Chris Valton on like a Sunday, I believe, um, that that word is like pharmaceutos, or I might be completely butchering it, but there's a Greek word that he ties into pharmaceuticals, and that word in Greek means like sorcery or something. True facts, except it's not pharmaceutos. The word pharmacy comes from the Greek word pharmakeia. According to scholars, it has different meanings depending on the context in which it's used. For example, this word appears in the Bible, certain versions anyway, in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 19. In this scripture, the apostle Paul forbids a bunch of things, including sexual immorality, sensuality, idolatry, fits of anger, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and pharmakeia which is often translated as sorcery. This is what appears or may have led many Christians, like Bethel's Chris Valentin, to believe that modern-day pharmaceutical drugs are the work of the devil and shouldn't be messed around with. So he always tied it as to like a form of witchcraft or sorcery that could be bad, you know, for, for you to participate in taking, and that God really is the real healer and the one that will heal you. If somebody gave a testimony that said, you know, I started taking uh, uh, Depakote and it really helped me with my issues with bipolar and stuff. And then you had someone else give a testimony that like God healed me of bipolar. I mean, you can probably assume which one they're going to herald as like the great story. If you say like, oh, yeah, I'm off my meds and I feel more like myself and I'm doing great. I'm getting all these ideas and I feel like more creative. They'll just be like, yeah, that's God, you know, and they'll just keep pumping you 
full of this encouragement. And there's so many people that are there that are so eccentric and, and the environment is so eccentric and kind of like encouraging that somebody who is acting out of their mind, like they won't, it won't even come through. Like no one will notice because they'll, everybody's acting so crazy all the time because the environment just pumps that up. Heaven Bent returns right after this quick message. It's the evening of October 25th, 2020, and I'm now watching the live stream of Let Us Worship in the nation's capital. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. 10:25. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice. We're going to party. We're going to sing. We're going to prophesy, and we're going to see a shift in the nation of America. I want to just welcome you guys. Thank you so much for coming. Many of you flew here from across the nation. You drove. I heard people took trains for three days, and this is all about Jesus. Like pretty much every stop on the tour so far, there is a huge discrepancy when it comes to exactly how many people have shown up. Now, it's up to you which official estimate you'd like to believe, but according to the Christian Broadcasting Network, there are more than 35,000 people here. Meanwhile, one local CBS affiliate numbered it in the hundreds only. That's a stretch from what I can see in the live stream and from other news reports online. It looks to me like thousands but nowhere near even the 15,000 that Foyt said he expected on his event permit application. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together. I've said it in a lot of cities. I'll say it again. This is not political. This is biblical. And I tell you, man, it's still shocking to me to see people gathered like this during the pandemic, very little social distancing and rarely a mask in sight. But there's also no requirement for it either. The National Park Service that gave Foyt the permit for this event, it says while they strongly encourage the use of masks, there would be no requirement or enforcement. We're not here for blue or red. We're here for purple. We're here for royalty. We're here for the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And we welcome- One thing I'm really enjoying is hearing Foyt's take on how the whole idea for the tour was born. Just so you know, my requests for an interview have been politely declined several times. But how it all came to be in the first place? That definitely was a question I wanted to ask him. Back in March, when the churches were closing and really everything was closing, And we had a very interesting situation in California with a certain elected official that said, 
the church can no longer sing anymore. And that flipped something in me, right? I was like, hold, hold on a second. This is America. And not only is this America, and not only do we have the US Constitution and the First Amendment, but we're believers, we're worshipers. We worship through the storm. We worship through the shutdown. We worship through the pandemic. And so it's time for the church, number one, to leave the building. And it's also time for the church to not be afraid of being weird. You are a peculiar people. You're strange. Stay wild. David danced in his underwear and we're gonna, no, we're not gonna do that. <laughs> a little too cold for that. But so. And it's not only a cold night in Washington, D.C., it's periodically raining and it's dark now. In the crowd, I can see lots of Gore-Tex, umbrellas, and rain ponchos. People who didn't come prepared, shivering and soaking wet hoodies. But everyone still suffering through it for Jesus. After close to three hours of singing, dancing, speeches, and prayers, Voight's just invited his daughter to join him on stage. In Jesus' name. Come on, stay there. I'm going to have, this is my daughter, Katura. And uh, she is a 10-year-old revivalist. She's a prophesying machine. She finds anybody on the streets anywhere and she prophesies. She brings hope. And my family's been on this journey. I have four kids and we've taken them all across America. And my kids have, they're gonna look back at 2020 and they're not gonna remember the pandemic as much as they're gonna remember revival. Katura is in a colorful winter coat and a warm toque. California blonde, just like her mom and dad. I want Katura to pray. Uh, she was doing this at the White House a couple days ago, just praying for people. I want her to pray for an awakening in her generation. And without a hint of inhibition or self-consciousness about her, just a readiness to, however you believe, go with her gut, go with God, Katura starts to do just as her father asks. And she prays for an awakening in her generation. So, Tura, come on, just pray over him. Dear Jesus, I just pray for my generation to be more in love with you, to know more of you, to experience more. Because, God, you're so good. You're so good. And I know that things are going to be different, so different. I pray for the cross to make a way. I pray for a revival to hit. And I just saw everyone just opening a gift from God. I feel like everybody is gonna get a beautiful gift from the Holy Spirit. <sighs> yes. I just pray for more of that. I'm just gonna, yeah, I just blast that over everyone. I just feel everyone's glowing. Everyone's glowing in your presence. I pray for more of that, because you're so good. Come on. You're amazing. <laughs> All right, we're going to sing a little bit more, and then we're going to go after miracles. You guys ready? Next time on Heaven Bent. Conversion therapy is really any attempt to change 
um, forcefully an individual's um, inherent gender or sexuality. So it often looks like trying to change someone who might identify as gay and make them identify as straight. The change movement is literally just about people that used to come out of that lifestyle and say like, hey, change is actually possible. Like it is possible that Jesus is able to change what you're facing, what you're going through, specifically targeted at the LGBTQ plus movement. They wanted me to basically just go back into the closet and present myself in a way that looked right to them that wouldn't damage their business. And they literally just sat me down and they started like praying over me and delivering the demon of homosexuality and everything. And I was so scared because I was like, what is happening? 